Well, folks, today was a great one. I got to sit down with Jeff Dodge and talk to him about uh, how he got saved, what his journey in following Christ has looked like for 38 years. He's not the youngest guy on our staff. I'm kidding. Sorry, Jeff. Um, he is the one who started up the Salt Network School of Theology, and so we talked about how that even came about and what that's uh, what that looks like now. And then we got into some of my theological, uh, I don't know what, ethical discussions on uh, calling transgender people by their preferred pronouns and even got into some marijuana stuff. So it was a blast, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Howdy, folks. Welcome to The Grain of Salt. My name is Mikey Stewart, and I'm here today with Jeff Dodge. Welcome, Jeff. Thanks. Good to be here, Mikey. One thing that I just thought about is anytime we're talking about you, everybody always says Jeff Dodge. Have you noticed that? (laughs) Yes. It's never just Jeff. It's always, I'm here with Jeff Dodge. I think it's just there's two one-syllable names there. Dude, legit, I I was thinking about that this morning because I was like, I was like, oh yeah, Jeff Dodge on the podcast. Wait, why do I call him Jeff Dodge? And I was like, it's probably because it's easy to say. It kind of rolls off the tongue. Totally. Um, So dude, you're in Iowa City. Yep. And recently here, you just started up doing CrossFit again. I did. Which you may be my only guest on for a while who is actively doing CrossFit. (laughs) Why did you, because you you did do it and then you stopped and you got back into it. What do you love about CrossFit? Why are you doing it again? Yeah. So... I'm an old dude. I'm way older than you. How old so are you? I am 56 years old. Nice. The reason I hesitated isn't because I was afraid to say it. I was actually doing the math in my mm-hmm. head as it was coming out of my mouth. Yep. So I kind of forget how old I am. Anyway, 56. So um, I think for the last probably, I don't know, 10 years or so, I've taken, I've taken uh, exercise pretty seriously and mm-hmm. done gyms. Went into CrossFit uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, just because I was feeling like I was hitting maybe a plateau, I just needed a little bit, something more to, to push me. So jumped in, had a couple friends in it, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. But then the reason I stopped is life just got pretty complicated there for a while. And, and I think anything that you have to be real intentional with, like give yourself a lot to, yeah. you, you can only have so many of those things mm-hmm. rolling at once, right? You, you can only juggle so many things. And that was just the easiest thing to let go for a while. I just didn't have mm. like the mental, you know what I mean? Just the the life energy to, yeah. to keep going. So didn't do it for a while, but then got here, really started feeling like, especially at my age, it, it doesn't take long before you start heading backward. Yeah. Like you, you're not, don't have a lot of forward momentum yeah. health-wise, physical-wise. So <laughs> jump back into it. And here's what I love, man. Number one, I don't have to think about what I'm going to do for exercise. Yes. I show up. Somebody tells me exactly what to do. It's written on a whiteboard. Like it is so clear. I don't, I don't have to come up with anything. Yes. Somebody else just tells me, go do this, go do this. So I like that. It, I think at least the two uh, gyms that I've been in, CrossFit, they're very careful about form. They're very meticulous oh, about yeah. what I do. And again, at my age, I want somebody yep. looking over my shoulder, making sure that I'm not mm-hmm. just being stupid. And so um, I like that. And then the camaraderie, man, already... I'm just meeting some really cool people. In fact, yes. we got got in the car this morning. My wife is coming with me, which is awesome. I never nice. thought she, I never thought <laughs> yeah. that she would like CrossFit, but we were getting in the car after working out and 
I made a comment about one of the dudes that I had just worked out with. I'm like, man, he is so nice. Yeah. He's a really cool dude, you know? And she's like, yeah, I'm glad. So anyway, just it just gets me out with people who have no idea what I do or why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, they just want to know me as a human being that works out with them. And, yeah. You know what I mean? So I like that. Oh, yeah. dude, I love it. And I love it for all those things you said. Like, I've done a ton of different types of workout. I used to wrestle in high school. And so mm-hmm. this was a perfect substitute for me because yeah. I was like, it's short and intense. Yes. It's individual. Yes. But there's also like a community feel to it. Yeah. And I mean, the workouts felt similar to getting out on the mat and feeling like yeah. hit by a train, oh, you know? dude. And, uh, dude, yeah. The way it works against me right now, but it's probably for me in this way. So I am by far the oldest dude in there. Yeah. Right. I mean, obviously. So I constantly am looking across and wishing that I could compete. Oh, with the, yeah. all the other dudes in there. You know what I mean? And I just have to stop myself because I can't, and I shouldn't, right? I'll just get hurt if I try to go yeah. at that level. But it's it's kind of a pride wounding thing. But again, it's probably good also, Dude, you know? It is really competitive. Like It's competitive. Like, <laughs> I have friends who won't go. I have two friends I know who won't go. Blake is one of them. He's yeah. like, no, man, I'll get too into it. And I'm, he's like, I'll, I'll like go too hard. I'm like, Blake, what, what are you talking about? Like, that's why you should come. But, dude, but I get it. it can be, you know, if you got an obsessive personality, yeah, yeah. right, it can be kind of bad. So we have, we actually go to different gyms for those listening. Right. Jeff goes to a competing gym mm. than me, and the one that I go to, CrossFit Kilo Two, we actually have such a large amount of people who go to Veritas and Salt Company that. I secured us a big deal. So like if you go to Salt Company, you can go to the gym for $70 a month, which is... Dude, is this an advertisement? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Now I, I don't feel like I can best you. Right? I know. I got to yeah, just yeah. stop right and see if there's that competition again. If you want the best deal in town for CrossFit, follow me. Oh, dude. Um, that's good stuff. Yeah. So I want to hit on that. But um, why don't we just go ahead and, and kick it off with... Yeah your story on how you came to know Christ because you went to UNI, which I did too, by the way, for two years. Um, But you weren't a believer when you were there. And by the time you left, you were. So kind of like paint that picture in a little bit for us. So yeah, I I was raised in small town Iowa, like a lot of people in this state, uh, rural, just small town, very religious. Um, I, in fact, I don't think I had a friend growing up that wasn't attached to some church mm. in town in one way or another. What town are you from? Osage, Iowa, north central nice. Iowa. Uh, but got to uh, the University of Northern Iowa, uh, was, you know, drinking like crazy, womanizing, smoking pot. I was just the typical freshman mm-hmm. partying and uh, tried to borrow a guy's ID so I could go to the bars. And and he said, hey, no, I don't, I don't really want you to take my ID, but man, could I sit down with you and explain why? I don't want to do that. And I was like, oh, sure. Really? You know, like I respect that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we, we sat down and he had enough courage, not just to say no to that, but to actually follow up. And he, as wow. it turns out, was a Christian, shared the gospel with me. And man, that very night that mm-hmm. he explained the gospel to me, I gave my life to Christ wow. because I had just, ne- it was like, I had all the puzzle pieces on the table, having been raised in a church, but not necessarily a, yeah. a gospel preaching church. So I understood a lot of the pieces were there. He put it all together. And and for the first time, I realized, holy cow, like I'm a, a sinner. Like I am not going to go to heaven just by nature of being a good church boy. I'm actually going to go to hell. I have to pay for my sin. And 
oh, that's why Jesus died on the cross. Like, yeah. I know that just sounds so elementary. Yeah. It all just came together, and I gave my life to Christ. Yeah, my freshman year. Dude, that is so interesting to me. I feel like I say this all the time, but like, I am always tempted to say I have a boring testimony. Hmm. You know, it's like, yeah, I grew up in a Christian home. Right. Uh, didn't really do anything crazy. Never been drunk. Right. Never done drugs. Whatever. That's awesome. Yeah, which is, you know, by God's grace alone, yeah. and I'm so grateful for that. But one of the things that comes out of that is I'm always like, yeah, my testimony's boring. Right. But I'm like, no, actually, I was a dead man. Right. And now I'm not. I'm alive. Yes. <clears throat> but I'm always so intrigued by stories like yours, where you're like, yeah, yeah I heard everything, but wasn't like, yeah. didn't actually necessarily believe it. Right. Because if I did believe it, I wouldn't be doing those things. And so that's so interesting to hear. Yeah. Well, and what's crazy was I, so, um, I had been hanging out with this girl and, um, but she was a good religious girl as well. And I thought, oh man, if she finds out that I'm a Jesus freak, she will totally drop me, you know? <laughs> so, uh, between that and then a lot of my family pressure, honestly, my family thought I'd gotten into a cult or something. Mm-hmm. Cause all of a sudden I wanted to read my Bible all the time and yeah. I wasn't drinking and I wasn't. And so there was a lot of pressure on me to turn back from Christ. So I actually, after a few months, uh, decided that I didn't want to be a Christian anymore. Mm. So I had a big party on my dorm floor, and they had almost like a welcome home party for really? me because because I was a really good time you know, yeah. as far as a Christian. <laughs> so so they threw like a big party. Well, I got super drunk, passed out. So they threw me down in my room. Well, the girl came over to see me at, at that party, and. Uh, Kind of nursed me through the night to help me. I was sick, you know, the whole mm-hmm. deal. The next morning, I wake up, and I'm just like, I can't turn back. Hmm. I thought I could turn back. No, my eyes are open. I can't turn back. So I went to tell her about what I really was now as a follower of Christ and to own it, you know. Yeah. And that very night, she gave her life to Christ, and that's now my wife, Let's Teresa. Go. You know what I mean? So that's incredible. So, and then from that, it just became a series of people. Just boom, 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 came mm. came to Christ. So we were having Bible studies in my dorm room, you know, and wow. just packing it out and stuff. So that that started the whole journey. Wow. What was it like when you first became a believer? You said like you started reading your Bible all the time. Was yeah. it a pretty drastic change? Yeah. Did you lose a lot of friends? Were your family like upset? Yeah, at you? both both and. I mean, on the one hand, yes, yeah, sincerely loved the Bible, got a Bible, started reading it like crazy, and all and all that. But I was also acutely aware of how countercultural that suddenly was, mm. and so some of my friends I shared the gospel with right away. Some of them came to know Christ. Others I tried to play it off and, and, and out of just peer pressure, you know, weak, uh, caved and, and like, wasn't very aggressive, wasn't telling him who I was living a, a, a double life really. Yeah. I think it was after Teresa gave her life to Christ. So a few months in, that's when I was finally like, you know, gloves off. I'm just going to fully own yeah. this and tell everybody that I know about Jesus. So, so I don't want to pretend like I just had this like dramatic one, one time shot. There were definitely a few months where, it was just hard, right? There was a lot of pressure to turn back. And so yep. it, it was, man, the people that were around me trying to disciple me and stuff had to be frustrated out of their oh, minds, yeah. you know? <laughs> That's encouraging to hear, though, that you, like, you, after a few months, were like, you know what? No, I'm turning away. And you, like, had this huge party and you're, like, trying yeah. to actively rebel. But then now, look at you. I mean, like, 30, what, 38 years? 38 we talked about this? years 38 ago. 38 years Holy later. Cow. Like it's in nuts. the moment, your leaders were probably like pretty frustrated with you. Oh, dude, they and had like, to be. They that would have been be. discouraging. But 
think about how encouraged they would be now if they like mm. saw you mm. and what you're doing like that it was mm. real and you know one of the guys that discipled me right right off the bat he actually passed away a few years ago in a, mm. in a tragic car accident but but another guy and I who are both pastors now but he he was a pot smoking idiot yeah. too when, when we both came to Christ both of us now are pastors and we both got to preach his funeral and I got Whoa. up there to start talking about and I just started falling apart you know I'm just gratitude oh, of what yeah. this guy invested in me and his wife is sitting in the front row and she she puts her head back and she goes he loved you so much Jeff Sheesh. and I was like crying all the more oh, like gosh. you're not helping yeah, yeah I'm you sure. know it was really very touching. So yeah, just the enormous investment that some of those those guys had in my life early on. Mm. Man, it was I, I can't thank them enough, really, for what they That's did. Awesome. So thirty eight years is a long time to be mm. following Christ. Mm-hmm. What are some of those takeaways, like just mm. bullet points that you would give out to people and like mm. yeah, after following Christ for thirty eight years, here are the things that I've learned. Yeah. I mean, some of those things, I'm telling you, Mikey, that the, the people that impressed me the most right off, almost like a baby bird getting imprinted. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like whatever you first encounter as a believer sticks with you. Mm-hmm. And I think the first thing was just a love for the Bible. Mm. The, the guys that were around Sheesh. me just were so tenaciously committed to the Bible. So here I was, knew nothing about the Bible, nothing. Mm-hmm. But I just saw the example of their lives, that they were committed to the Word, constantly helping me understand the Bible, and even bought me little Bible tabs for my Bible so I could get around. You know what I mean? Just helping me in every way I could. So that, honestly, has never left me, my just Mm. love for the Scriptures. And obviously, I've spent a lot more time in the Bible now than I did 38 years ago. Um, But that love, that fascination, I still love discovering stuff. even. yeah text that maybe I've even read dozens of times, I dig in and discover new things. Mm-hmm. And I have that same kind of like, like brand new faith, brand new, just fascination with the Bible. So, so for sure, I don't think there's like new stuff you learn. Oh, now that I've gotten to this age, I, I've learned all sorts of new things. No, it's basic things like read the Bible. And then when it puts you in your place, pray. You know, mm-hmm. like pray and read the Bible. It sounds so like Christianity 101. But I'm telling you, after all these years, prayer and the word. And those two things, like symbiotically, like they feed off each other. You know, the more they yeah. pray, I want to learn the Bible. The more I read the Bible, puts me in a prayer yeah. posture. And so those those two things, I think, are huge. Hmm. Yeah. Um, As you're saying that, one thing I'm genuinely curious about is, do you think it is harder for a college age student or anybody for that matter who is like wants to find out about Jesus to get into the Bible today hmm. than it was almost 40 years ago? Hmm. Well, I would say there's more access to it now because even compared to when I gave my life to Christ, the number of translations, especially really hmm. readable translations, as as the reading level has gone down over the years, you know yeah. what I mean, in in just culture, society in America. The reading level of the translations of the Bible has met it. <laughs> so you can you you can really pick up oh. a Bible at almost any reading level and make sense of it. And that's huge. When I first gave my life to Christ, the, the Bible that everybody was reading was the New American Standard, which 
is really hard to read. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's it's maybe a little bit easier than the King James, not much, mm-hmm. but that's all we had, right? So I I just had to figure out how to read it, and so I think it's more accessible also to be able to listen to the Bible. You yeah, know, you got it on true. your phone, you got it all this. None of that was accessible. Mm-hmm. So so the bummer, I guess, in some ways, is that I don't know that it's accessibility is equaled out with the number of people who actually read it. Like, even though it's more accessible than right. ever before, I don't know if people take advantage well, of that. Well, dude, you know? I think because one reason is probably, the, the reason this question popped in my head was people just don't really read stuff anymore. Right. Like, that's right. what I'm thinking is, 40 years ago, right? people were, I mean... It's not like YouTube was around. Right. <laughs> totally. Like, I don't mean for this to be like, you know, offensive or anything, but like, no. In your free time, I'm sure you guys probably read a lot more books than people who come to Christ now do. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that, like, you yeah. guys just, as a generation, read more. Hmm. I feel like it would have been, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if I feel this. But, like, more natural for you to read the Bible. Whereas nowadays, people are like, people just don't read stuff. Although I would say this. We didn't have, yeah, smartphones and YouTube. Yeah. But we were just as lazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. We were not a better generation than your generation. And so what I'm saying is mm. what I had was a stack of LPs. Like, you know what I mean? Like I, I was really into rock Wait, music. Wait, what's an LP? I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to record albums a lot, you know. Uh, and, and so, for instance, you know, right now everybody's going to Bohemian Rhapsody. I saw Queen live yep. in concert, cool. you know, some of those. So I was I was a huge rock and roll fan. So I'm just saying you can waste your time. when You, you can get creative and waste your time totally. in all sorts of ways. Yep. And so it's not like I was this great reader of anything, even though you're right. It's not because I was also mm-hmm. watching YouTube, but you can waste your your life and your time in all sorts of ways. And so we, we weren't a more noble generation than your generation is. I think all of us have to realize, oh, Coming to Christ, like God could have communicated with us in almost any way that he would have chosen to. Right. He chose to contain what he wanted to tell us in the written word. Yep. So we just have to, if we're going to follow Christ, we just got to decide, okay, God decided to communicate it to us in a written form. I need to just learn how to be a better reader of his word. You know? Yeah, totally. That's good for me to hear because I oftentimes <clears throat> have such a negative view of like, my generation and just the culture mm-hmm. and the technology and mm-hmm. you know i'm like always actively trying to fight against my phone but still use right. it at the same time and so it's good for me to hear that like you're you don't think your generation was like you know yeah. any more noble than mine nope. was nope 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 so reading you, the you bible would, you would have shaken your if like if you could go back in time and see me at your age i think you'd yeah just be yeah like, oh yeah what a putz you know so reading the bible and praying mm-hmm is there anything else that you're like, <laughs> after 38 so, years? Yeah, the other thing I would say, and again, man, so basic, but man, God taught me early, and I've been grateful for it, having great Christ-centered friends. Yeah. There's there's nothing like a friend. I still remember, dude, when I, so I was I was 19 mm-hmm. then when I asked Teresa to marry me. <laughs> Whoa! Like, I'm, I'm barely a believer. She's yeah. barely a believer, right? <laughs> why why was nobody trying to stop this train yeah. wreck? You know, but but by God's grace, we've got an awesome marriage and I'm mm-hmm. so thrilled. I, I don't know if I've ever been more happy to be married to my wife than I am right now. That's sweet. And I'm very serious about that. Yeah. Um but when we first got married and then a couple of years later had our first son, and what I know now is that she was in a 
postpartum depression after that, but I, we didn't have that category mm. back then. You know what I mean? Like all I know is I'd come home and she's in a gray t-shirt and she hadn't showered and yeah. I'm just like, what happened? You know? And I was just all put out. So I, I remember going out, uh, to grab coffee with, uh, one of my best friends and we're sitting there and we're both young and he's a, he's still a bachelor, you know, he's a grad student. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, I'm just going to totally rag on my wife right now and he'll totally understand. So I'm yeah. like, you know what? My wife. And he's sitting there, sitting there. And all of a sudden he just stops me and he goes, Jeff, don't you ever talk to me about your wife in that way again. Wow. Now you get up, you get home and you get right with Teresa. Whoa. Dude, I'll never forget that moment. Yeah. That Now that's a brother, right? That's a, yeah. I'll never forget that you just stop right there because you know what? He could have fanned that into flame and sent me in a whole nother direction. Yeah. He chose to stop me. So I'm just saying, great friends who love Jesus, who are going to keep you, even when you don't want to stay in the path, they're going to help you stay in the path. It's huge, man. At every level of our faith, we have to have Hmm. great brothers in our life. That's incredible. Yeah, that's sweet. Um, So you became a Christian, and then now you are, what, the director of the Salt Network School of Theology? Yep. So the director and the creator of what is... Used to be the Cornerstone School of Theology is now the Salt Network School of Theology. Yep. Talk to me a little bit about how you created that, yeah. uh, why you're so passionate about theology, mm-hmm. just kind of like, and maybe even the future of where that's going. Yeah. So um, when I wanted to really learn the Bible at a deeper level and even felt like maybe God would have me be a pastor, do something vocationally mm-hmm. in ministry, the only option back then was to pack your bags and go off to a seminary somewhere. And so yeah. here I was living in Cedar Falls, Iowa, but we packed our bags through them in the back of my blue escort, you know, blowing gray smoke out yep. the black back and headed to Los Angeles so I could go off to seminary. Thank um, Cause that was really the only option. I mean, you, there were others in other cities, but there weren't any I wanted to go to in Iowa. So you had to head off somewhere. And so then years later, I'm serving at Iowa State, seeing all these young men and women being raised up all around me, great leaders, and thinking, man, there should be a way to keep them right here, vitally involved in ministry, Mm -hmm. staying where God had really encountered them, and getting the theological education, and getting all the tools that they need to go on and serve Him for the rest of their days. So I started nosing around, and you know, by God's grace, a lot of things in education started loosening up, and there were creative ways to, to deliver education. Um, across the board. So mm-hmm. got to ride that wave and found out that if we wanted to have any kind of a, a branch of a seminary to exist in our church, I had to get a doctorate. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm, I got my master's degree, but man, I was so done with school. Like I'm not yeah. an academic guy. I like, yeah. It's the biggest joke in the world that I have a couple of doctorates <laughs> because I'm like the, every time I'd be like, I will never go to school yep. again. Uh, but I needed, to, in order to pull off having a school of theology, I had to get my doctorate. So I went back to school and got my doctorate. Where did so, you go back to school? Uh, Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City. Yep. Um, and actually, they were fantastic in working with me to not only get my doctorate, but also to lend their accreditation for what we were trying to do in setting up a school of theology right within mm-hmm. the local church. So that's been my passion is, man, it's all... I love seminaries and they're great and they've got big libraries and yep. great resources and great professors. And so we need to have those and it's going to be right for men and women to go and, and join those, those schools. 
but for as many as possible that we can just hold right here within the context of the local church and still give them the kind of theological chops that they're going to need for a lifetime of serving Christ. we got to be able to do that, right? So I'm so very, cool. very passionate about doing that. Had you seen that done elsewhere, or did you literally just think No, dude, of my it? first dissertation was actually on how to do this. Like the seminary said, Holy. We, we don't know how, to, know how to do this yet. So I... I had to travel around, visit other people that were even just trying it. They also had maybe a toe in the water. Mm-hmm. We're not the only ones doing it, but we were one of the first to do it at the level that we're doing it. Yeah. And so I you know, tried to learn from everybody that was out there trying and they're swinging, you know. Yeah. But um, we're, we're on the front front edge of this wave a little bit. And so again, cool. not, not that we're the only ones. There's a lot of great people doing a lot of great things. But we didn't have a lot of peers. I wish there would have been a model that we could have just... Yeah. Copied and pasted because I would have like shamelessly. <laughs> yeah, I would have just done it. Uh, I didn't have any desire to invent something, but you know what? Like that old phrase, necessity is the mother of invention. Like mm. we had to get it done, and I was the one that had to do it, so I just went after it. Yeah. So your one goal, like the necessity you were trying to mm-hmm. fill, was like I love all these college students that are coming up and that yep. desire to get that theological backbone, but I don't want to send them away. I want to yep. keep them here. Yep. That's where it came from. Yep. And I'm telling you, and it's not just because you're sitting across the table from yeah. me last, right now, but you're like the prototype. So mm-hmm. you're a guy who, honestly, you want to do the work of God. Mm-hmm. You, you almost don't want to be sent off or, or sidelined to read a bunch of books. You mm-hmm. want to do the work of the ministry. That's who I want to teach is guys like you. Yeah. I, I want to say, but listen, if you're going to serve him for a lifetime, you got to put in some hard work. I mean, we started this whole conversation about with CrossFit, right? Yep. Um, to get big results, you got to work really hard. Yep. And what I'm saying is, if you want to serve Christ at the level that you know you can, mm-hmm. you got to get in there and work. And so what we offer in the School of Theology is not some watered down, some mail order version, some right. Sunday school level of theological training. I feel passionately that you need to be equipped and you've got what it takes to be equipped. So we're, we're going to push you in yeah. that level, right? So what I want to do is look around and say, who, who are those men and women who are just hungry to know the Bible more? They're coming out of often just a secular undergrad, right? They bring no formal yep. Bible, formal theological education to the table, but we're going to throw them in the deep end and we're going to go at it. Yeah. And, and I like you'd find it rewarding, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. so, all of a sudden you're like, Holy cow, I can't believe I can oh, learn yeah. all this and immediately turn around and get back on that campus and yep. teach this stuff, you know? Oh, I'm loving it because the things that I'm learning are like the most invaluable. Is that the right word? Yeah. Invaluable. Yeah. Invaluable things ever. And I'm able to like directly apply them yep. to my job and to the people that I'm discipling totally. and that I'm sharing the gospel with. It's yep. It's incredible. It's a lot of work, but I'm really enjoying it, and it's a challenge. And yeah. for those who like don't really know what it is, what's like your really quick oh, yeah. flyover yep. of what it is? Yeah. So we only offer one one pathway. It's mm-hmm. a Master of Arts in Theological Studies. So that's fifteen core courses. Mm-hmm. They're each a three credit hour course. So it's a forty five degree, forty five credit hour degree program, a Master of Arts. Now, from there, you can go on into doctoral programs. You can get a, yep. a higher level of a master's. But but we're pretty vigilant about offering that that one master's degree because we feel like it gives you a great foundation that those classes, those 15 classes, will give you a great foundation that most people, that's 
they'll feel like that's all I need. I've got it. And they'll build on it, but yep. not academically. And then others can build on that to, to do what they need to do. I hope more will become professors, right? And carry this on in more and more university mm-hmm. communities all around. But for the most part, it's going to equip you with everything you need. So we're, yeah. we're pretty streamlined in what we do. Yeah. I mean, I'll shameless plug for it. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, I would love to get mm. a, just a very advanced, but also pretty basic yeah. theological just degree. And like, yeah. I mean, master's degree in theology, you got to check this out and, mm. you know, give it a shot. Like we have how many people in the Iowa city alone cohort, like six or yeah, seven, no, eight, I think. Yep. And it's a couple of them are three out of the seven are community side people. So right. like, this isn't just for people who work for a salt no, network no, no. church. Right. This is for everybody. Like if you just basically anybody who wants to do this yeah. is more than welcome to do this. And it's an incredible thing. And yeah, we've got like 60 or 70 students all together. They yeah. come from Iowa state, you and I, Iowa, Madison, Columbia. I mean, they're, they're coming from all over to yeah. be able to pull this off. So yeah. yeah. Thanks for doing that. I mean, mm. it's literally, it's changing my life and mm. it's, it's you awesome, know, man. I never thought that I would be doing this. I know. Never. Right? Totally. Oh, I love it. I'm enjoying it so much. Love it. Um, so that's kind of like the Salt Network School of Theology. What about you were one of the first people to kind of help create the Salt Company, Salt Network for mm-hmm. what it is today. Yeah. Uh, and Mark, I was talking with Mark Aaron before this. He's like, you got to make sure <laughs> you pull Jeff's quote on himself, which is uh, what? that What's a quote that you, you Well, yeah. So he remembered. So interestingly, for those of you listening who know Mark Arendt, lead pastor of Veritas Church. So he was one of the first guys I hired. Uh, he was still in school. He hadn't even graduated from Iowa State yet when I pulled him onto our salt company staff back there. Um, and here's the deal. God was just really blessing salt company. And we were seeing people just come to know Christ. It was awesome. But I used to sit our staff down often and just say, guys, there are people all over this world that... Mm-hmm pray harder than we do. They're more godly than we are. They, they know their Bibles better than we do. And they're never privileged to see the waterfall of God's blessing that we're seeing. Don't get cocky. Dude. Don't think it's because so good. you've got the right recipe for success. Yeah. No, no. God is being generously, just generously gracious with us yeah. and letting us see the kind of fruit that we are. And that was when God... Yeah. <laughs> we're sitting... We're meeting in the back of an auto parts store at that point. Like, yeah. we got, you know what I mean? Like, That's when it was like a fraction of what it is today. Oh, dude, just a, a fraction of what it is. But but we but it was phenomenal, right? I mean, it was fantastic what God was doing. We we're having to go to two services in the back of this auto parts store. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So hundreds of students coming in in this warehouse that we had, and and it was just magical, man. It was just magical. So yeah, but I just always wanted to everybody to know. Because I lived that, man. I, I mean, I got out of seminary, went to this small little church up in northern Iowa, and honestly, just got the daylight speed out of me for a couple of years. I mean, mm-hmm. I was praying harder than I'd ever prayed, reading my Bible, studying, teaching, doing everything that I thought a pastor should do, and it just imploded. I mean, it was terrible. And so I lived that, right? I lived yeah. that that faithful life that just, it, it didn't all magically mm-hmm. come true like I, I thought it should. So I... It's never left me. It's never left me. I was thinking about that today, actually, like <clears throat> not in a, uh, like a comparing way. I mean, I guess I'm kind of comparing, but I was thinking I am so blessed to be able to work mm. the job that I have. Like yep. I could 
this sounds terrible, Blake. I could be working with a different ministry that's like just not as right fruitful. Yeah. And I'm just so like grateful that I yes. get to work the job I do and see the fruit that I do. And like, yep. it's incredible. So, yep. um, your life verse is what Isaiah 66 two yeah, yeah, or one yeah. of them. And how does that kind of play into that quote and like yeah. just your view of what it is that, I mean, kind of you've created, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the idea in Isaiah 66 is that, um, God is just looking at his people and saying, yeah, I see that big temple that you built mm-hmm. for me. And you think that's what impresses me that you can put block upon block and mm-hmm. really build this beautiful thing. He says, no, no, no. This is the one I esteem. This is the one that's going to catch my eye. It's not some big, beautiful structure. It's not some big, grandiose thing. This is the one that's going to catch my eye. This is the one I esteem. He was humble, mm-hmm. contrite of spirit, like broken spirit, and trembles at my word. And that Isaiah 66 two has just never left me that what God wants when he looks down is not my success. It's not my hard work. It's am I genuinely, like at the core of my being, humble before him, a broken spirit, meaning when he speaks, I listen and I, and I respond. I've got Mm -hmm. a broken spirit, a teachable spirit. And that I tremble at his word. Like when I open his word, it's, it's, it's the words from, from the living God. Right. And, and I'm attentive and, and submissive. And so, yeah, that's what I want to be kind of the banner over my life. Mm. Um, yeah. And I still remember discovering it, man. It was those verses, like leapt off the page into my soul. Yeah. I think that without a doubt, Veritas, the salt network, all the churches, whatever they are, what they are and God's, uh, I mean, not single handedly, but like a big reason of why they are what they are is because you are that type of man. And mm-hmm. like you genuinely believe what you're saying. And that pours into all of the, you know, the people that you're leading and not only salt network, but specifically Veritas church now. And, so yeah that's it's awesome um last thing kind of about your job i was just meeting with a student before this and i was like you know i'm trying to get ideas for the podcast i'm like (laughs) dude if you were sitting down with jeff what would you want to know And he said i would want to know how as the teaching pastor of veritas he can stand before the church and like preach and teach everybody but also have the time to like meet individually with people and like Mm. shepherd them one-on-one while also living a regular life and having his own personal relationship with Christ. Like basically how do you balance Mm. doing your job in ministry and like, what's that look like? Wow. It's a great, it's a great question. Um, I had this experience just, just this last week and uh, I hesitate to share it because it's kind of this, this, profound moment that I had that I don't usually operate this way, but, but I got out to Veritas church out the facility to, to study on Saturday. Cause I'd been in China. I'd been around, I had to preach on Sunday morning. <laughs> so on Saturday, I'm still preparing. Uh, anyway, I thought, you know what? I just want to spend some time praying. So I went into the auditorium. It's mm-hmm. all empty. So I'm just going to pray over all these empty chairs. And the minute I sat down, uh, to pray, it was like, God, just gave me this picture in my mind of, of kind of taking me off the pinnacle of the temple, taking me off the top, kind of ripping my, my white knuckled grip, trying to be at the top of my game or whatever. Mm. And then gently just setting me back down on planet earth, you know, and just saying like, 
hey, this is where you're supposed to be, right down here. But in a gentle, beautiful, kind way. And then it went further, like, hey, get in the sheep pen. Like, get all dirty. Get yeah. get kind of messed up with the manure and, and the feed and the feed my sheep. Just feed my sheep. Yeah. You know, and and so then I'm starting to look around at the auditorium and I'm looking at all these empty chairs at that point. And I'm thinking, man, God, what's gonna walk through those doors tomorrow morning? Like mm-hmm. what what needs are gonna be represented? What hurts? What 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 level of desperation? What crying out for mercy? What what's gonna be represented the people that walk through here? And I just feel like God mercifully keeps bringing me back to that point that there are image bearers all around us who desperately need to hear from the God of the universe. Guys like you and I get the privilege of representing him Mm -hmm. to those people. Right. And, and so it's never the masses. It's never, it's never just, I want to stand up in front of this faceless crowd. Right. It's more, man, those are individual image bearers that deserve for me to to look into their eyes the way that Jesus looks into my eyes mm-hmm. and offer me the grace and, and truth of the gospel. So mm. that's yeah. sweet. And and so yeah, the reason I it's not hard. I mean, I'm just a man of flesh. I mean, I <laughs> so I get up, you know, and read my Bible just like everybody else and drink my coffee yep. and whatever. So my humanness is very close to me. Yeah. <laughs> like I never fooled, you know. And plus I married an incredible woman, yes. very strong woman. And uh, she is unimpressed <laughs> yeah. <know> I mean? <laughs> in the most beautiful way. Yes. Know? And so uh, I love that. It keeps me That's awesome. very grounded. Yeah. You talked about kind of like balancing grace and truth a little bit. And which leads me to, I'm going to try and segue this into one of the things that I'm most curious about just in my life that I want to bring up to you is we can... We have to fight against, I mean, you have, a t- how many degrees do you have in like <laughs> theological studies? Well, uh, I've got a, so I've got a MDiv, Master's of Divinity, then two doctorates. I've got a Doctor of Ministries and then a PhD. Yes. Okay. So you have probably more knowledge than most of the people, like I'm pretty confident saying that, most people walking in these doors. So you want to balance that truth that you have. I mean, mm. you have this huge stockpile of truth, whatever, mm. and you want to balance it with grace, but not present like a watered down right version of the gospel or anything um all that segueing into this question okay i was doing a leadership interview with a girl in the salt company and she was uh talking about how her sister mm-hmm. is transgender mm-hmm. and she doesn't want to go by the pronouns she her hers anymore or whatever mm-hmm that she would prefer to go by they, them, theirs. And I thought that was so interesting. Cause I mean, I thought about this before listening to, you know, other like podcasts, maybe like Ben Shapiro or whatever. Right. But to like sit down with this girl and be like, wait, how do you actually think about this? Right. Um, leads me to my question. How do you balance with grace and truth? Right. Somebody who is like transgender or whatever, who is asking that their pronouns be changed. Yeah. Do you call them by what they're asking to be called right. or do you just completely ignore that and right. call them whatever? Right. Because the balance is if you call them their by their pronouns, say they them theirs, that's like a really easy way to love them. 
right. and to, res- to or you know to love them to respect them to do something that they're yeah. asking but at the same time if you do that you're in a way reinforcing yep it's so tough something man. that's not true it's so tough i'd say a couple of things one i don't want to get too hung up on pronouns because you know there's a lot of languages on this planet that actually don't have gendered pronouns totally. <laughs> you know what i mean and so so we've made that choice right and and so language um is fluid and changes. And so I, I don't necessarily want to pull over and park there. Here is actually the harder thing that I would want to go after. Um, so again, I go back to the Bible and how God chose to reveal himself to us. When you just open your, your Bible, the most normal way, natural way, you start from the left, you know, you open that mm-hmm. cover and begin to read, you're immediately encountering a creator God. And you can't even get out of the first chapter, chapter one of this entire big book, without recognizing that that creator created mankind and made mankind male and female. And it's such descriptive, poetic, beautiful, illustrative, colorful language. Mm -hmm. You can't miss the significance. And then you go through chapter two and it just reinforces gender and maleness and femaleness and how that's, that's part of image bearing. So what I'm saying is I so long for people to know that there's a God who has created them, who has purpose for them, that life is, is, is not an accidental yeah. combination of cells. Life is a gift from God, and he's the one that wants to direct our paths. And so I almost want to kind of give in on some of the things like pronouns to get to actually the more core and that is, I don't know what you're feeling. I don't know what your desires are. All I know is this. There is a creator God that wants you to explore the beauty of gender as he defines gender. And we try to vandalize the image of God in all sorts of ways, all sorts of destructive or at least misguided way. All of us, right? Which is why what we have to do is Romans 12 have our minds transformed through the truth, like recalibrate our minds according to what God says. Yeah. And for all of us, that can be painful in greater and smaller ways. And so I would want to have the harder conversation challenging, not what pronoun do I use when referring, when I refer to you, but why don't you embrace the gender that, that God has given you biologically? And that's a, that's a harder topic right especially with a sibling totally totally and and so what i'm saying though is i want to meet them with compassion here's here's what i know about transgender people not not just ones that i personally know but even just there's a lot of sociologists putting a lot of time into this because Mm -hmm. this is a a a almost brand new it's not like it's never existed but the the surge yes culturally is is before us a lot of people trying to figure this out here's what we know for sure they are some of the most Broken people, some of that because the culture has pushed against them. Some of it is because they've, in order to embrace that, they've had to fight against family, friends, yeah. a whole culture, schools, whatever. And so the, these are people who are coming to this, paying a, lot, a hard, high price, and they're bruised up and battered. And if they're still holding on to that because they mm-hmm. want to fight against it so much, they deserve our compassion. They, they need us to come alongside them, say, man, can, can I just help you think 
through this, not in a harsh, condemning uh, way, but a way that says, man, you've got to be hurting. You, you can't beat the odds. You can't beat the stats. You to be transgender is to go through a lot of difficulty. Yeah. I want to come alongside you, but not in a way that I would ever have to deny Genesis 1 and 2 and the rest of the Bible of what it really means to be male and female. But I want to get them to that. I want to get them to the the feet of a loving God that they may reject, right? At, at the end of the day, yeah. it's it's very likely they're going to reject what I have to say. So I'm, I'm not pretending like I have some magic wand to this. <laughs> but, but I want to get them to the real issue yeah. and not get hung up on some of the peripheral issues. And I want to Sheesh. love them compassionately along the way because I think they're really hurting. So you would, at the beginning, call them by the pronouns that they're requesting to be called by? I've never been asked that personal question by by a transgender. I think I would consider just calling them by whatever pronoun if it meant that I could then get to the bigger core issues. Because sometimes with them seeing my open-handedness and mine taking me taking a step toward them they would maybe give an ear to me. And knowing right. again, I'm not just going to keep kicking this can down the road. At some point, yeah, yeah, yeah. the truth of the gospel is offensive, right? The, right. And so I'm not, I'm not trying to be unoffensive at all costs. Mm-hmm. I am trying to say, if, if it's going to be offensive, let it be at the core of what God is bringing to them, not more of a, a cultural Right. Because issue. if you don't and you're like, no, that's stupid, I refuse to... Right. That is just... I mean, these these people, these transgender people or whatever, have put so much stock yes. in this that that little offense is super hostile. Yes. Like, it, like way more hostile than the amount of respect you would get. You know? Yep. It's interesting. Yeah. But like yep. Ben Shapiro, I mean, or Jordan Peterson, like in Canada, did you know, like it's illegal to not use somebody's pronouns right. that they request and you can get like in big trouble. Right. And so people are like, that's stupid. I'm not going to, if you're right. forcing me to do this, I'm not going to yep. do it because I don't believe in that. But that's actually a pretty aggressive thing to yeah. do. Yeah. And at some point, I mean, right, we're all of us are going to make, have to make decisions as Christians to stick with what we know from the Bible, no matter what the culture throws our way. So I don't hear me say that we should ever back down from what is true, yeah. what the Bible says clearly. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. I think the Bible is very clear on what gender is and that it's a, it's a image bearing issue. Um, but I am saying, man, let's, mm. let's get them there before we, before we turn them off so much by our hostility to something more minor. Yeah. Now, if, if you, if that student is listening to me and they made the other decision to just say, no, I, I'll never use that pronoun. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just telling right, you right. how I would probably approach it. Yeah. That's good. I think that's really helpful. Um, the other kind of controversial topic that I'm genuinely curious about is has to do with marijuana. Okay. Um, because, you know, it's legal recreationally in mm-hmm. a ton of states. I yep. think eventually it will probably be legal nationwide. And so my question is just pretty simple. Like when, if and when it becomes legal, mm-hmm. how do we as Christians think about recreational yeah. use of marijuana actually yeah. and medicinal use too right well medicinal is is different in my mind because um if if there are physicians out there yeah and and there are studies that show that it's effective in treating 
this or that, right? I, that's a different issue to me. The recreational use, I do, I do think that there's a distinction between marijuana and alcohol in this sense. Of course, alcohol has all sorts of potential to destroy lives. Thus, we had prohibition right. in our own country, right? So we get that there's a lot of dangers and a lot of people mess their lives up with alcohol. But you can certainly enjoy alcohol, as I do, for instance, mm-hmm. without ever getting drunk, without getting intoxicated, because you yep. actually just enjoy the flavor. You you enjoy the culture of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, man, I was a big pot smoker. So, yeah. <laughs> so don't, this is not coming from some, you know, holier than thou. I get the fun of smoking yeah. pot, you know. Um, <laughs> but what I'm saying is the reason you smoke pot recreationally is for the buzz. That's why you smoke pot. Yeah, because you can't, I you can't say that you do it for the flavor, right? right? Is <laughs> no. that? I mean, I've never smoked it, so I'm also coming from like a super ignorant perspective. Right, right, right. I know nothing, and so that's why I'm like genuinely curious about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because with alcohol, like I too never been drunk, but I love drinking beer right. and whiskey, whatever, because I love the flavor. I I literally don't get buzzed from it. Right. I do it because it's. I do and it if you ever do, as a Christian. You know immediately to back off. Yes. Right? Like, like if you ever, because what we're trying to do is enjoy it without intoxication. And what I'm saying is the opposite would be true for marijuana use. And so I think to, from a purely practical, okay, this is with my Bible closed. I don't have a chapter and verse for yep. this, but, but um, if you travel to Colorado or other places where it's legalized, what you're going to find is there's a package deal, right? You, there's always consequences to these ideas. And and what you're going to find in Colorado is people that truly find that they can use it recreationally, and so they're happy for that, and yeah. there's no consequence law. But you're also finding a whole lot of... Like, let me just say this. The marijuana that people your age smoke today is actually a different product than the marijuana that I used to have available to me. It is more powerful, mm. often has other things in it. It's pure, it's stronger, it's all that. And so the consequences of what it does for a culture and a society are really, really strong. And and go to Colorado, ask the business owners, ask the people in the communities, has this made your community better? Mm-hmm. Has, this, has this made the culture, has this made the state better? Now the state's making a lot of money on it, right? right. Because it's regulated by the state, taxed by the state. So there's a lot of Guys in government that are happy for for that, you know, suddenly windfall of money. But I'm saying, as a Christian, I think we'd have to ask, wait, why would I smoke marijuana? Um, if it's for the intoxication, we'd have to go back to the word and say, ah, foul, I can't go there. Um, and I think to, to try to imagine that you're doing it for recreational use that's not for intoxication, for the buzz... Come on. I'd have to throw the, yeah. the crap card down there. You know? <laughs> um, why would God make, like, the, I mean, the chemicals mm-hmm. and the marijuana plant and everything, mm-hmm. like, why would he make it so it does what it does to humans? Well, but here's the thing. God creates all things very good. We vandalize almost everything he's made. We find a way to mess up yeah. virtually every good gift that he brings to us, right? Yeah. I mean, he created male and female and sexuality. Yeah. And we can sure vandalize that, right? Right. And, and now we can even have slavery and all sorts of right? right. Right. So, so I don't think we can go there because even hey, even the fruit of the vine, like yep. he he will call it a great blessing, 
right? And then he can condemn those that abuse it and get intoxicated by it. So, so um, yeah, the fact that it exists in his created world, I can't. I don't think we can say therefore mm. it's right to use it in that way. Hmm. So, I mean, <clears throat> what about just like from a government perspective and stuff like alcohol we've already discussed is legal and mm-hmm. you know but you can have it in a way that is probably actually glorifying to god mm-hmm. uh what about like nicotine right. or caffeine right substances that people are addicted to right that make them feel better right like how do we think about that compared yeah, yeah. to yep. marijuana right no that's that's a fair question in fact i think we have to look at virtually anything that could enslave us mm-hmm. right so if 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 we have to have and then fill in the blank, as believers, we should say, look, we have one Lord, we have one master. I, I'm not going to bow my knee or enslave myself to any other master. And so we have to watch everything that we do. And that's why we even have, that's why we even have things like Lent. We're in Lent right now. Yeah. A lot of Christians throughout the ages have given up, whether that's caffeine, mm-hmm. certain kind of food, certain habits of life or even things that they can enjoy in order to say, wait, I just want to show that a Jesus, you're more important than this thing that I enjoy mm-hmm. and B I'm not addicted to it, enslaved by it. Look, I'm giving it up for 40 days yeah. and I can either leave it for the rest of my life or take it back up again because I've demonstrated right. that that's something I can enjoy and give God thanks for. And I'm not enslaved by it. So, so yeah, I think we have to be honest about that. Those other things can enslave us. Hmm. What about, um, I was talking to a student and he's like, man, I, I struggle with anxiety mm. and I know marijuana helps with my anxiety. Mm. Uh, I even have people telling me, yeah, you should, you know, just smoke a little bit to help with that anxiety. Cause he's like, you know, I don't want to take medication or anything, but that is medication. <laughs> That's, is it? I mean, could that's you, what I'm saying. I, I think, yeah, if a medical professional is yeah. going to guide you and, but here's what I'm saying. There are all sorts of helpful treatments for things like anxiety. You you can't simultaneously say, I don't want to medicate it. Mm. Therefore I'm going to smoke pot because that's what people have done with alcohol. People that, especially before we had the kind of diagnoses that we're able to have now with mental health, like, you know, Hemingway, for instance, is this great author that died a, a tragic death. Why he now what we know looking back, he was very likely self-medicating his anxiety, his depression with alcohol, mm. right? Because we didn't have the kind of technology and medical help to he could have maybe lived a much happier life had he had the kind of things available to him right now. So so people have tried to medicate things like anxiety yeah. with with awful things. Mm. So go to a doctor. Find that med- and if that medication is marijuana, okay, let it be through a professional. That's mm. so. But I mean, there's a if, lot of choices out there for anxiety. What if the doctor's like, I want you to be on this medication, like Xanax or something? Mm-hmm. But you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. I would. Yeah, then it, then it's your choice, right? But but I think, yeah, everybody should definitely be in control of their own choices that they that they have for their for their bodies. But to say I have some level of conviction or some high, pure, noble motive that I'm not going to introduce pharmaceuticals into my body for my anxiety, mm. instead I'm going to smoke pot, <laughs> is, yeah. is 
you know what I mean? Yeah. There's an internal contradiction for that. And so I would just say, no, be honest that you've got anxiety and get the help you need. Yeah. If that happens to be that somebody's going to, in a legal way, prescribe marijuana. Okay. Then I'm not going to argue. I guess I wasn't really, I wasn't really thinking so much like, actually there's nothing wrong with being prescribed like right prescription, you know, stuff to help this. Um, so yeah, I mean, if, if somebody's like, I don't want to get medicated, but I know marijuana helps me, even though it's illegal, you'd be like, don't do it. Oh, absolutely. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's illegal, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking so much. You stumped me. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. <laughs> uh, that's great. I think that's probably a pretty good wrapping point uh, <laughs> <laughs> because you're stumped because i don't know what else to Therefore, say let's yes. say. <laughs> jeff wins um last question before okay. we get out of here if you could recommend two or three books to somebody mm. any books what would they be besides the bible oh yep <laughs> you caught me okay so yeah obviously i do think that they go straight to the source go go yep. to the bible first but there's a book that really impacted me a long time ago uh, by Jerry Bridges called The Discipline of Grace. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because um, I think that as a very uh, disciplined person, Jerry Bridges, the author, um, brings that to the table. Like you, You're not going to progress in your Christian faith without certain disciplines in your life of, mm. of how to seek after God, read the scripture, prayer, memorize the Bible, etc., but it has to be infused with grace. It has to be infused with this. This is not so that you can earn the favor of God. Yep. This is because you have the full fa- favor of God and, and you want to enjoy it and, and walk with him. Mm. So it's an old book, Jerry Bridges, Discipline of Grace. I would go there. If I had a second one, it would, it would actually be something just more like I read the journals of Jim Elliott or another alternative would be through Gates of Splendor, which is just the story of these heroic college guys that, and they were wrestlers. Nice. Uh, he was a wrestler at Wheaton College. And uh, these guys with great potential gave themselves to an unreached people group in Ecuador and paid the ultimate price. They were martyred mm-hmm. um, in Ecuador. And it tells their story. And so the reason I would say for young people to read stories like that is, Generations have come before your generation mm-hmm. who have made really hard, very noble decisions to serve Christ, and we should learn what fueled them. What what do I need to learn from those those great people who have gone before me? Mm-hmm. Because they were 18 to 22-year-olds, all the same aspirations, all the same future of life and everything else, and, uh, and the stuff that welled up in Jim Elliott's soul, his journals and his prayers and what he would say um, can be very, very motivating for another generation and make his sacrifice actually worth it because a lot more people are going to step on his shoulders. Had he just gone down there, won a bunch of people to Christ, mm-hmm. and we, we'd maybe never hear the name Jim Elliott, right? right? right. But, but because he and Nate Saint and the others gave their lives, were able to learn some things and be alerted to some things. So I, I would say, yeah, reading Jim Elliott. It's great. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, mm. can they email you? Yeah, they can. What's so, your email? Dodge.veritas at gmail.com. Cool. Sweet. Any last words or anything? No, dude. Mikey, thanks for doing this, man. Oh, You're absolutely. actually really good. This is very engaging. It's really fun yeah. to do this. 
So I, I'm eager to hear when you do this for other people, man. Yeah, yeah. So I'm it's tuning a blast. in. Cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. Bye, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody, and listening to the episode. If you enjoyed it, if you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it. Why don't you just give us a five-star rating, too, and tell somebody about it. We appreciate it, and we love you all.